Repodcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Hi, Janet. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you about this movie. Me too. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about The Lovely Bone. Yes. But actually, before we do, uh, we want to address a listener email that we meant to do during last episode and then didn't get a chance to. So Sally, our friend who recommended The Ballad of Buster Scruggs to us. She emailed back after listening to the episode. Yes, she did. And I think we had talked about this when we recorded Buster Scruggs. We were curious as to why she would have recommended this film to us. So she had felt that it was going to be a challenging film to recast because of the style of the movie, the way it's shot sort of in vignettes. But I didn't find that challenging. I don't know. Did you, Lucia? Not necessarily. I think the most challenging part of it is that it added a step in that we said, which vignettes are we going to recast? But that's it. Yeah. What I found challenging was watching the movie. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't but go Sally, that far. it's okay. But... <laughs> she apologized for that in the email. So. <laughs> yeah. And thank you, Sally. I hope it doesn't discourage you from sending us pics further on. Agreed. Sally, if you have any more recommendations, please throw them our way for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. And now moving on to The Lovely Bones. So this one was Janet's pick, and I would love for you to tell me why. (laughs) Well, I have told you this story (laughs) several times. Clearly, you have forgotten. Janet, it's a podcast. I need you to tell the listeners. (laughs) Yeah. So this movie originally was on my radar because Ryan Gosling had been tied to this movie. That's why the movie even entered my orbit of Mm -hmm. interest. Originally, he was tapped to play Jack Salmon, the dad. Yeah. And basically... If people want, like, the whole story, they really should just Google it because it's all out there on the Internet. But basically what happened was, and Ryan Gosling has admitted that he was fired. He showed up to set for the movie, and he was literally fired from the film by Peter Jackson, like, a few days before they were going to start production on the movie because he was too fat. He gained too much weight. <laughs> because Ryan Gosling felt his sort of perception was that the character of Jack Salmon should weigh like 210 pounds. He should be like a bigger man. And Peter Jackson did not agree with this. So apparently Peter Jackson fired him. That's sort of the legend. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling has actually come out and said that that's what happened. How much of that is true or not, again, like, who knows, right? That's the backstory to it. And that was why I was sort of interested in seeing the movie and then also recasting it because I had a feeling that Mark Wahlberg was probably not a great choice for Jack Salmon. And I was right. 
Yeah, I have to say I agree. What's interesting is that while looking up, you know, facts and articles and whatnot about this movie, there's conflicting stories on the Ryan Gosling situation because one of the things I read is that he it didn't fully say he backed out, but it did say that he felt he was too young and he didn't really want to do it. There was uh, one particular story from The Hollywood Reporter that actually it was a roundtable discussion that they did with actors. Mm. Ryan Gosling actually gave them that story that I just said what happened. Mm -hmm. By the way, I think he was too young. He was 26 at the time. So that is pretty young to have a 14-year-old daughter. Yeah, I think he was probably not a good choice either. Mm -hmm. I love that he thought he had to weigh 200 pounds, (laughs) 210 pounds to (laughs) Like, I don't know why he felt that. Like, I just think that's so funny, but... Who knows? Maybe he thought that would make him look older. (laughs) Perhaps. Yeah. Okay. So, Janet, what was the box office for this movie? The budget for the movie was $65 million, Mm -hmm. which probably sounds like a lot. And I think if you've actually seen this movie, you'll understand why that number is so high. Because there seems to be a lot of CGI and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then that's all expensive, right? The box office was $93 million. So, I mean, it did okay, but I don't know that that's necessarily a success on a $65 million budget. Yeah, I don't think so, because one of the numbers that I saw was on top of the $65 million, there was another $85 million put into promotion, mm, which is... Yeah, I didn't- Bennett, I don't know what a typical promotional budget is, but that's huge. <laughs> And I don't know that it worked. Well, I mean, it was, you know, it was critically, I think people were divided. Mm -hmm. I read mixed reviews for it. But it did garner a a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Stanley Tucci that year. Yeah. Can you believe that that's Stanley Tucci's only Oscar nomination? No, I can't. That's such a bummer. Several times here on podcasting. I know. He's one of my absolute favorites, and mm-hmm. I love him. And he's very good in this. He's he very is. disturbing. <laughs> like he earned that Oscar nomination for sure. He is. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to give our listeners the synopsis, Lucia? Sure. So this is based on a novel by Alice Siebold. It was her debut novel. And the movie synopsis is a young girl who has been murdered watches over her family and her killer from purgatory. She must weigh her desire for vengeance against her desire for her family to heal. I don't know. How do you feel about that synopsis? It feels a little bit like yes-ish. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't actually read this book. No, I didn't either. I'm kind of curious to read it now, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because I read mixed things about the movie. But from what I understand, the movie is a very different version of what happens in the book. It's not a good adaptation, basically, is what I read. I don't know who said this, but I read that someone said that if you were a fan of the book, that you probably shouldn't watch the movie. Right. But that's often the case with book adaptations, right? Agreed. But I don't know. There are parts of the movie that I think are still in the book and things that I 
did have problems with. I'm not sure. I'd be curious to read the book. I kind of want to now, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we get into the full recasting, we'll take a quick break. Your next career move is right around the corner, and NorQuest College is here to help. Our new Career Moves Professional Development Program will help you transition to new job opportunities. Funded by the Future Skills Center, we will provide one-on-one -on -one coaching, self-assessments, skill development and training, and up to $2,000 in available tuition credit. Our focus is your success. Make your next move. Apply today at norquest.ca slash careermoves. And we're back. So let's start with Janet. You can do the first recast. Sure. So we decided to recast only two roles, but two very sort of crucial roles, mm -hmm. I thought. Um, so we recast the role of Jack Salmon, played by Mark Wahlberg, and the role of Abigail Salmon, played by Rachel Weiss. Like I said, I had a feeling that Mark Wahlberg was the wrong casting choice. In my opinion, he 200% <laughs> is so wrong for this role. Mm -hmm. So wrong. Like, I didn't enjoy him at all in this role. And I don't necessarily think... I mean, Ryan Gosling would have done a better job, absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, he's a better actor. And I don't want to shit on Mark Wahlberg too much or his acting skills mm -hmm. because I don't want the funky bunch to come <laughs> after me. <laughs> Is that what they call his fans? I it don't should know. Be. But I know that he's very well regarded and a lot of people like him. And I actually don't think he's a bad actor mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on what he's in. Agreed. Because I have seen him in some roles where I've been like, wow, he was so good in that. And I've seen him in some roles where he's really surprised me. Like that film that he did with Will Ferrell. I think, yes. I forget the name of it. The Other Guys. The Other Guys. I've seen that movie more than once. Like mm -hmm. I really liked him in that role and I certainly never thought that I would. But I just think he was the wrong actor for this role. Yeah. Totally. And I also... I wasn't feeling any sort of chemistry whatsoever between him and Rachel Weiss. I felt that the relationship seemed really fake. Yeah. Like, it was really hard for me. I was so distracted <laughs> by, by the two of them on screen as the parents. Okay. Because it just came across as so fake to me what was going on and it seemed very forced so I don't know if maybe they didn't get along who knows but it just it seemed really wrong and I felt like there should have been chemistry there part of it could have been that Mark Wahlberg was brought on like one day before shooting started so they really didn't get a chance to you know get to know each other or anything true but from what I understood there wasn't a lot of pre-production oh. either I just felt that he was out of his realm mm -hmm. in this role. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I kind of felt that you needed someone who was more adept at dramatic performances. Okay. So I recast Ewan McGregor oh. in the role. Oh, here's the other, here was the, the other thing that I had a real problem with. Okay. So it was also the physical appearance of the parents because you have these two parents who have brown hair and brown eyes. 
And then they have these children who are, you know, have these beautiful, stunning blue eyes and blonde hair. Yeah. There was, <laughs> I don't know, I had a problem with that because yeah. it was like they don't even look like their parents. Yeah. I agree. They don't. And look I mean, like they, they also had a little boy children. as well. But again, like he was a blonde kid. Like all three of the kids were mm -hmm. blonde, mm -hmm. and two of them were blue eyed. And I'm not saying that that's impossible, but it was kind of like, no, I'm not buying any of this family dynamic here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it was also their physical appearance. So you and McGregor. I mean, you know, I think in terms of looking at him. He looked more believable yeah. as the father of Susie Salmon. And also, I just think he's such a great, I mean, he's a great actor mm -hmm. in general. And he's just such a great dramatic actor. And when I was watching it, I thought of him for the role because of that movie, The Impossible. And I don't know if anyone has seen that. I don't know if you've seen it, Lucia. No, I've never heard of it. Okay, so it came out in 2012, and it was a movie that he did with Naomi Watts, mm. and it's based on, it's a family that goes on vacation, and then uh, the tsunami, it's based on the tsunami oh. that happened, wow. right, or loosely based, but I really thought of him in that movie when I was watching this, Okay, and so I think he would have been great, and I think he would have been so good at portraying like that grief and that sadness and that anger I think he would have done a far superior job than than what we saw from Mark Wahlberg nice who did you pick so for me I agree with you very much that Mark Wahlberg was not a great choice for that role and while watching the movie someone popped into my head and that was it I didn't think of anybody else mm. I thought of Ed Norton oh yeah, that's a good choice yeah because he's a great dramatic actor, and he can be so intense that... Uh, and he, again, he's fair-haired, yeah. blue eyes. Like, he's more believable. Yeah, he looks like Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> he looks the part, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I thought he would have been a really good Jack Salmon. Yeah, I think... You know who I also almost cast? I almost cast Killian Murphy. Really? Yes, because I love him. But also because I think he, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with this role. Mm -hmm. Killian Murphy is, I mean, he's an amazing dramatic actor. That's mostly what he does right. in dramas. I've seen him like do one comedy. But he's very intense. And especially when the Jack Salmon character freaks out, if, yeah. if this is a spoiler, it shouldn't be <laughs> uh, for anyone <laughs> if you haven't watched the movie. But there's this moment where Jack Salmon freaks out in the movie and starts smashing things. Yeah. And I thought of Killian Murphy because Killian Murphy, I haven't seen anyone do freak out the way Killian Murphy does. Wow. Like, he's so good at it. And so I almost cast him in the role. Okay. Almost. But you know why I didn't? Because I think that he would have looked too young. Because you have to remember, yeah. this movie was filmed in, in like 2009, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we're going back like 10 years at least. Almost 11. And Killian Murphy... He's in his 40s now. Now he's starting to sort of look a bit older, but he still looks young, whereas Ewan McGregor has more of a, 
not that he's old looking because Hugh McGregor is like 48 years old, right? But I feel like he just would have looked more the part. Like you would have believed him more as the father of a 14 year old. Yeah, I agree. Killian Murphy's pretty face. Ed Norton's the, (laughs) the right age too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is I was so while watching the movie and then I started picturing Ed Norton in it, I was so convinced that he was the right choice that I was like, Janet for sure picked him too. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I really, you know what, I enjoy Edward Norton. I really enjoy, I've seen a lot of his work. I enjoy Mm -hmm. him. I actually didn't think of him, but that's a really good pick. Definitely. Okay. Okay, so next for Abigail Salmon. So for Abigail Salmon, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of Rachel Weisz. Like, I love her I love her work. I usually, when she does a movie, I try to see it. Mm -hmm. I just think she's an amazing, amazing actor. Me too. So I thought she was good in the role. Here's the thing. I don't know if it was the chemistry with Mark or the lack of chemistry, I should say, with Mark Wahlberg that was turning me off to her in the role. Mm -hmm. I think that that was a huge part of it because, you know, like I think she's a great actress and I, I enjoyed what she did. It was just that lack of chemistry. And again, I wasn't believing her as the mother mm-hmm. with all that beautiful dark hair and, like, <laughs> and the not blue eyes. And it was just like, if at least one of the parents had been blonde and blue eyed, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. So I don't know, but I recast her as well because I thought of someone who I think I would have enjoyed more in the role and that is Tony Collette. Oh, yeah. I love Toni Collette. She's so good. She's such an amazing actor. And you know what? I've seen her in a couple of roles now where she portrays that grief and sadness. I think the reason I thought of her was because I saw her in Hereditary last year, Mm -hmm. uh, the Ari Aster film. And, you know, she plays a grieving mother in that role as well. And she she should have been nominated for an Oscar. I can't believe that she wasn't. Mm -hmm. For starters, it's criminal that she was not (laughs) nominated for an Oscar. But yeah, I think that Toni Collette would have been really amazing in this role. I think she would have brought like a different depth to the sadness. Yeah. And I just would have loved to have seen how she interacted with Ewan McGregor as well. I've never, they've only done a couple of films together. But I would have loved to have seen them as the parents in this role and their chemistry because they're both such incredible actors. I think she just would have brought something different to the role. And again, like she looks more the part in terms of if you look at her, you'd be like, yeah, that that could be Susie Salmon's mom. Yeah, it's funny. I wasn't really I wasn't focused on the physicality or how they looked, if they looked like they could be parents. But the second you said Tony Collette, I was like, whoa, perfect. Like, yes, I can picture it. I think she would have been the right age too. like she's Tony Collette's 47. So she would have been like, around the same age as you and McGregor, like 37, 38. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good pick. I'm kind of angry that I did not think of her. (laughs) She's so good. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I actually struggled with this one. I really, really like Rachel Weisz as well. I didn't love her in this movie, but not, it didn't feel like it was because of anything she did or didn't do. It really felt like she was wasted in this movie on that role. So for me, anyway, I was trying to think of someone who I've seen obviously do dramatic roles, but who can portray 
grief, sadness. Um, and I landed on Jennifer Connelly. Mm. Yeah, she was. Yes. Mm-hmm, she's from A Beautiful Mind and Requiem for a Dream. And she did a movie called The House of Sand and Fog that mm-hmm. she is. It's been a long time since I've seen this, so I don't want to get anything wrong, but I believe she's homeless in it and she's like in really in a down on her luck kind of situation. And I could really picture her going through the motions, which is kind of what the mom is doing in this role. So, yeah, so I think she would have been really good. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like her as well. I th- and she's got, like, those beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You would believe that in terms of physicality. Absolutely. she was Susie's mom. Mm-hmm. And I also liked thinking of how her and Ed Norton would play off each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen them in a movie together. I don't think so, no. Oh, I hope someone is listening to this. <laughs> And, like, is going to make movies with all these people acting opposite each other. I know. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Because those are the movies we need. Those are the pairings we need in movies. P.S. Any casting agents who are listening, call us. I want to see a movie with Tony Collette and Ewan McGregor acting opposite one another. Yeah. We're we're available if you need consulting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, like I haven't read the book, but I was because I wasn't really like feeling the movie. I did do a lot of Googling of like, what are the differences between the book and the movie? And I found out that the director, Lynn Ramsey, had initially purchased the rights to make this book into a film. But that was actually even before the book had been released. Lynn Ramsey has done some very dark movies. Um, She did We Need to Talk About Kevin. So she has, I don't know, I feel like the movie that she wanted to make of this book would have been so interesting and so much better. I wish we could see that. But it was Peter Jackson. Like for anyone, we don't want to confuse anyone. For anyone who, it's Peter Jackson who was the director of this film. Yes. And apparently he had kind of been like waiting for the... I don't know exactly how the movie rights go, but basically, like, they lapsed. It took too long. They couldn't get it together in time, and there were studio or maybe not studios. Somebody was pushing back, um, and they wanted a bigger name. And so, basically, like, the second that the rights lapsed, Peter Jackson bought them up. Yeah, Peter Jackson, I don't know. Like, I haven't really seen a lot of his work. People are probably going to think that, I'm a jerk for saying that. <laughs> Have you not <laughs> seen the Lord of the I'm Rings? I'm not trilogy? a Lord of the Rings fan. Okay. And I know he has done other things, but I feel like that's really what Peter Jackson is known for is the Lord of the Rings movies. Like when you say Peter Jackson, you instantly associate him with Lord of the Rings, right? Of course. Um, but yeah, like maybe he just wasn't the right director for this project. I don't know. I will say this. Sersha Ronan like, I thought she was amazing mm-hmm. in the role of Susie Salmon. Absolutely. Like, I would never have recast her because I thought she was fantastic. And same thing with Stanley Tucci. Yeah. I mean, I hated the character that he was portraying, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stanley, and I mean, Stan, he's unrecognizable. I know, yeah. He really is. But Stanley Tucci was excellent in the role. And I like I was hoping that you wouldn't want to recast him because I didn't want to recast him. I thought he was he was very good and he yeah. definitely deserved 
that uh, Oscar nomination for sure. Yeah, the only reason that I would have wanted to recast him is because I don't want him playing that role. <laughs> I know, exactly. That was, I thought that at one point too. I was like, oh, I love Stanley Tucci. I don't want him portraying such a despicable <laughs> character, mm-hmm. but he did it brilliantly. So. Yeah, well, apparently they did tone down the character quite a bit for the film um, compared to that character in the book. The character in the book, sorry, I guess I should give a trigger warning because this might get like, I mean, we're not going to be graphic about it, but trigger warning. Um, the character in the book rapes Susie before murdering her. And I guess that's described in graphic detail. Peter Jackson said that he purposely did not want to show anything like that graphic in the film in fact even her murder is not it's not seen like it's just implied basically i also read that stanley tucci i don't know if this was something he directly said or not but that if the the rape scene had been in the movie that he wouldn't have taken the role because he didn't want to do that yeah yeah well like you know again i didn't read the book so i don't really know if i have any thoughts on that. I mean, I don't think it needs to be graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like struggling to <laughs> form an opinion on that myself because it's like I don't want to watch that either. So <laughs> I'm totally fine with them leaving it out. But I guess the author wasn't pleased that they left it out because it was, right. you know, part of the story. And yeah, for sure. I mean, they definitely they sanitized it to a certain degree. Did you enjoy the movie? Not really. No, I can't no, say like, I did. No, like, I didn't like this movie at all. I didn't like it. Uh, and I'll tell you one of the reasons that I didn't like it. Like, the biggest problem that I had with the movie was the depiction of the afterlife. Right. It almost felt like it was detracting, in a sense, from, like, yeah. the seriousness of what was going on. It was so, like, My Little Pony-ish with yes. all the colors and... Like, it was so confusing to me, in a sense, because it's like you've got, like, this really heavy subject matter, and then suddenly you've got, like, these bursts of color in the afterlife and all this almost cartoonish Mm -hmm. bullshit going on. What is this? What is going on right now? I didn't appreciate it, and I felt it was very distracting and that it was sort of not cohesive with the tone of the film. It was almost like they couldn't decide what kind of a movie they wanted to make. Yeah. I have a suspicion that because I think they were trying to keep a PG-13 rating so that they could market it to, you know, teenagers. So I think that's part of it. And so, yeah, while watching the movie, um, at one point I looked down to my notebook to write a note for like three seconds and I looked up and suddenly it's like a My Little Pony cartoon, just like you said. And I I actually rewound because I was like, did I miss something? But no, I hadn't missed anything. Just suddenly it's a romp through a field and like she, oh my God, for anybody who hasn't seen this, there is a part where she's in her afterlife and I think she makes a comment that she was like, I don't know, starting to get used to it or to get happy in it or something like that. And then you see her dancing on a spinning record and sliding down a snowy hill and they show like a fashion magazine cover like it was bananas that came out of nowhere it didn't fit the movie yeah i had a real problem with it and you know the other 
problem that I had was that it, I mean, it was very overdone, but it also felt like it wasn't a plot mover. Yeah. Like, if anything, whenever that afterlife stuff came on, it was like it was interrupting the flow of the story, in a sense. Yeah. For me, it made the movie feel really tedious and slow. It was like, can we just get back to the story? Can we get back to the family? Like, I don't give a shit about what's going on over here with all these bright My Little Pony colors and all this garbage. Yeah. Yeah, you should definitely read the book then, because from what I've read, it is much more about the family and their grieving process. Yeah. Okay, so I also, did you find any of the alternate casting choices that were? No, I didn't, actually. Okay, so I just found a couple. Helen Hunt was considered for the role of Abigail. Really? Yeah. Oh, how awful would that have been? (laughs) Why so, what what do you say that for? No, I absolutely cannot see (laughs) Helen Hunch in that role. No way. I wouldn't have bought her. Yeah, I honestly, I can't either. It seems like a strange choice. (laughs) Um, And then for the role of Jack, uh, Hugh Jackman was considered at one point. Oh, see, I don't, I don't hate that. I also can't picture it, but I mean, he's a good actor. I think Helen Hunt is a good actor, too. Did you see that movie that he did with Jake Gyllenhaal about the missing child? No. Oh, yeah. You should watch that because I could definitely see him play this role. Hmm. It's not, he definitely has the ability to do it. Yeah, no, I, I haven't heard of it, but I will look for it. Okay, so I didn't know that Stanley Tucci was in it initially, and I also did not know what role he played, and I didn't know what his character would look like either. So he is in the mall scene at the beginning, the opening scene, or more or less the opening scene of the movie. You see him four different times, but I did not notice that because he looks so different. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because he was there and he was watching her. Yeah, I, I saw him there. Oh, okay. Hello, Lucia. <laughs> no, I totally, totally missed it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. <laughs> you realized it was him afterwards. Yeah, I went back and watched it afterwards, and I was like, whoa, yeah, there he is. Oh, there he is. There he is. Did, for anyone who saw this movie, and this is this question is for you as well, Lucia, did you see Peter Jackson? He put himself in the movie. Did you see that? I did not. Yeah, like I okay. said to you, I didn't know what he looked like, and so you sent me a photo. <laughs> but uh, but no, I did not see him. Where was he in the movie? So, yeah, I, I gave this Lucia this challenge <laughs> before she watched the movie because I told her that I was going to test her on it today, and you fail. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you lose the new refrigerator that I oh, was going to give you. <laughs> He's in one of the mall scenes. Okay. It's not like if you blink, you'd miss it. Because they do kind of zoom in on him a little bit. Um, And I certainly wasn't looking for him. I was just like, oh, he put himself in the movie. Oh, look. He's one of those directors that does that. (laughs) That's not so common anymore. It feels like it was a thing for a while. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of directors that do that. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So he is in the film. Okay. What did you think of the British kid who plays Susie's crush? Did you think it was weird that it was just this random British kid in the middle of Pennsylvania? 
middle America. And there didn't seem to be an explanation for it. Like, he was just there, and he was British, and... Maybe it's a little more explained in the book, but I feel like they just kind of, like, mentioned it. Is he British in the book? I don't know, but... Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) Like, I just thought that was weird. It happens, though. It's not like it's I know it happens. I just... It seemed very random. I don't know. All right. Um, What I didn't like about him, and it's not his fault, it's the story, I did not like that... You know, after two years or two and a half years or whatever, she enters the body of that other classmate that he's friends with, and then they kiss. I thought that whole thing was very weird. But that's adaptation, so that's the script writing, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't blame any actors. Yeah, exactly, because, again, like, I'm sure that doesn't happen in the book. Well, actually, in the book, not only does it happen, but they have sex. They don't just kiss. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you Google this? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was really, really weird. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I really feel like I need to read this book (laughs) to get a better understanding of the source material, and then I can hate the movie even more. (laughs) (laughs) It'll justify my complete dislike of the the movie. (laughs) Okay, so before we move on, I do have one more thing that I'm just curious about for you, Janet. What did you think of the death scene of Stanley Tucci's character? Oh, yeah, I was really angry, actually. Yeah, I I was actually, I have a a note here about that, because I did not, and again, if we're spoiling this for anyone, maybe you want to turn this off right now, if you have not seen the movie, and go and watch it, and then come back and listen to this, because I'm about to spoil this movie, (laughs) because Stanley Tucci's character dies at the end, and I felt very... I felt cheated by the way they got rid of him. And again, I don't know if that's what happens to him in the book, but I felt that that whole business of how he managed to get away and then he dies the way he does, it was like, what is this? Like, I felt as a as a viewer, as someone who sat down and, and invested like two hours into the movie, I felt very cheated by that also that there was no closure for the parents like I thought it was interesting the way they portrayed it it's almost like the family just sort of kind of gets over it and moves on and you know I'm not sure that when something like this actually happens in real life I'm not sure that anybody ever moves on from something like yeah and I think that's what something so absolutely horribly tragic like this and it's just the way it's portrayed in the film. It, it, you know what, how it felt to me, Lucia? It felt like they were trying to, like, wrap it up in a nice little package and end the movie. Yeah. And, it, like, it didn't feel right to me. And I felt very cheated. Yeah. So if that answers your question about Stanley Tucci. For sure. So what I read about the book is that that is the way that this character dies in the book. I don't know timing-wise if this is, like, many, many years later. Like, I think the timeline is all off, and because, you know, you're trying to condense it into a movie, um, it doesn't really play out as well. But like you were saying, how this is something that a family might never get over. I think that's very much the point in the book. Susie is watching the family for years and years. Right. And, you know, in the film, they kind of threw it into two years. But I think it's also really weird that 
Like he basically got caught. The the sister. Do you know who the sister is? The actress playing the sister. Playing Susie Salmon's sister. Right. Of course, I know who she is. That's Rose <laughs> McIver. Yes, she is the star of A Christmas Prince. <laughs> uh, listen, she is the star of I Zombie. I know. Okay? I know. More I know. importantly. <laughs> And I know you've never watched this show, but it's so good. That's how I know Rose McIver. That's, yeah. But yeah, I did know who she was. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. So I got off track. So she gets the book from his home and she runs off. That is the evidence that they need. And so the fact that he's able to just get away. Oh, yeah. And then he takes the safe at that point. Like, to me, that was also like... He's spending a lot of time at that point when he really needs to be running. Because in the book, I guess he puts the safe in the sinkhole years earlier or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it kind of bothered me that he got away and then the way that they did the death afterwards. Yeah, it felt like it was, I don't know, a cheat. It was just for the audience to be like, okay, good, he's dead. But it didn't track I no, it was. It. I think it was the adaptation of it. I think yeah. it was, you know, it was the way it was done. And it didn't feel like a satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny about it, too, is that initially, I think they had the death scene, but you didn't actually, like, you just kind of saw him fall, but then you didn't actually see the fall and his body afterwards. And with oh, test okay. audiences, they were really angry. They wanted... I don't know. Yeah. They wanted something like more violent or whatever for him. So more, then they a added a violent ending. People felt that it, it would have been justified. Yes. And so then they added showing him tumbling down the hill. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I still wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay. So the ratings for this movie on IMDb, it got a 42% from 36 critics and yeah. then on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 32% from 243 reviewers. Yeah, I actually noticed that. I noticed yeah. those ratings. And I was like, wow, this movie didn't do well. But mm-hmm. now I understand why it hasn't done well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is not a movie. If I went to see this, I would not recommend it yeah, agreed. to anyone. So, you know, because, you know, a lot of the times it's word of mouth. But, yeah, it's just like I, I understand those ratings. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so then we'll just take a break before we do our last segment. The show you're listening to right now is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. And you know what? So is Ed. It's a podcast about the teaching life. Teaching can be a lonely profession, but Ed is out to change that. Each week I connect with an educator about the things that are important to them, whether it's tech, the power of failure, LGBTQ issues, or anything else. You can find Ed on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Ed. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And we're back, and it is time for my favorite segment and yours, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Hold me close, young Tony Danza. It is uh, the segment where we recast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So, I think this is everyone's favorite segment. I hope so. (laughs) I feel like we should have a podcast just... Putting just recasting Tony Danza into movies. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> um, okay, so Janet, who did you recast Tony Danza as? You know, I actually I had a hard time with this mm-hmm. because I was like, where am I going to? 
put Tony Danza in this movie. So ultimately, I decided to cast him as the dad because he's the ultimate dad. So I I recast him as Jack Salmon. Interesting. Uh, He's always the great dad, right? Of course. So yeah, for sure. That's where I placed him. Okay. I um I also struggled. I wasn't sure which role to cast him as, and um, I landed on Detective Len. What's his last name? Fennerman. Fennerman. Oh, okay. Yes, Michael Imperioli. Yeah, I, I was actually pretty happy to see Michael Imperioli there. I don't see him too much. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I didn't mind him in the role. Yeah, but yeah, I thought that would be a fun role for Tony Danza, and he has played a cop before in the good that's detective. right <laughs> so yeah it felt like a good fit that would have been a fine role for him as well i yes. agree excellent all right well i think we did it we talked about <laughs> the lovely bones as best we well, could <laughs> i certainly think that we improved on the casting for sure yeah i think most people will agree with us mind you <laughs> When I was looking at reviews for the movie, I actually saw, but these were reviews sent into Google by just like random people. Mm -hmm. And I actually read more than one review of people who thought that Mark Wahlberg was amazing in this movie. Wow. (laughs) I can't help but laugh at that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I was reading them, and I was just completely incredulous. But again, he's got a lot of fans out there. Oh, yeah. I love him. He has yeah, a real I following. Do. Yeah. Yeah, he does, for sure. Okay. So, for next month, I was told to pick a movie, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I landed on one that I might regret. But here goes. Uh, next month, we will be recasting the movie Aloha, the Cameron Crowe movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. one. We've talked about that one for we have, quite a while. We have. My concern is that it'll be just really difficult to watch. Mm. Yeah. But it stars one of our favorite actors, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, one of our favorite actors to recast. You forgot those important <laughs> words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. So hopefully everybody can attempt to watch Aloha and uh, recast along with us and we'll see you next month. And meet us back here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, Janet. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Looking for tickets to major sporting events, concerts or theater events in your area? Use the ticket resale site seatgiant.ca. Seat Giant is Canadian owned and operated and they guarantee every ticket. All of their ticket prices are in Canadian dollars, even for events that are in the U.S. You can use the promo code APN, all lowercase, at checkout to get 5% off your purchase. What does the APN stand for? Alberta Podcast Network, of course. So find more than a million tickets at seatgiant.ca and use the offer code APN to get 5% off at checkout.